Well, good evening to everyone and welcome to those on Facebook Live. Um, as I referenced in my prayer, if you haven't heard, um, our sister, our friend Jeanette um, went into the presence of the Lord on Monday. It was posted on Facebook and certainly that's always bittersweet, um, you know, certainly for um, a believer in Christ to be, I mean, that's our ultimate goal is to be reunited with the Lord. But um, it hurts when we lose someone, a friend. And Jeanette, you know, I, I love the picture that was posted. You know, you could see her vibrant personality in that picture. And uh, there's a picture out there in the hall, you know, that communicates her vibrant personality. So we will miss her. Uh, and Pastor Randy's hurting right now. And the family's hurting. So, um, um, but uh, we are certainly thankful for the time that we spent with her. And I know the ladies being able to sit under her teaching for years has been a blessing. So, uh, let me get into the announcements and then we'll move forward. Um, let's see. Well, that was yesterday, so can't read that one. Bearing one another's burdens, grief ministry is this upcoming Saturday, June 17th at 9.30. Again, anyone who has experienced a loss of a loved one is welcome to attend. Um, Season Saints will be Saturday, June 24th at 5 p.m. at the home of Joe and Bertha Crespin. Couples Ministry. Saturday, June 25th at 5 p.m. Uh, they will be in Chapter 3 in the Spiritual Warfare in Marriage book. Dirk wanted me to say that. Emphasize that Spiritual Warfare in Marriage. It'll be the last meeting before this break for summer. It'll be a potluck. No meetings in the month of July and August. Titus 2 Tuesday, Tuesday, June 27th, 6.30 to 6.30 to 8.30. Uh, the guest speaker will be Diana McTarsney, the wife of Joe McTarsney of Calvary Chapel, Montclair. There'll be a men's fundraiser Sunday, July 16th after the service. Nachos with shredded beef. <laughs> I just thought of what Pastor Randy said last Wednesday. I'm not going to say that. <laughs> no, I'm not going to say that. <laughs> I leave that for him. Sunday, July 16th, after service, nachos with shredded beef or smoked pulled, smoked pulled pork, $7 for the nachos without the, uh, $7 for the nachos without the meat, it's $5. So, um, again, if you have a bulletin and some of these meetings um, appeal to you. Uh, also, today, I'm not gonna, we're not going to sing, I'm just going to mention it. Today is Dan's birthday. <laughs> Dan is about two and a half months older than I am. Three and a half. Three? Three. About three. No, two? Three. Three months. About three months older than I am. Yeah, I know. I know. Yeah, I know. So I, I always joke with him. He, he, he has to tell me what it's like. Yeah, that's right. He's my own. <laughs> All right. So... There we go. We're going to get into our teaching for the evening, uh, starting 
in Job 1, and I kind of titled this, Think on These Things, and kind of, you know, as we reflect, as we mourn the loss of, of Jeanette, um, you know, it, it always, whenever we lose someone, especially someone close to us, it, it hurts. Um, if they're a believer, we can, we can rest in the fact that they are with the Lord in peace. And, you know, with Jeanette, her, her body just stopped working. Um, she's whole again. That's a blessing. But it hurts that she's not here. Um, we can have can kind of have two responses to the loss of a loved one. Um, I mean, both come from pain and the loss. We can, we can get move away from the Lord and just become bitter and angry and, and why. And, or that experience can draw, our close, draw us closer to the Lord. And it's, it's all tied up in pain. And, and we can't minimize that pain. Um, so that's kind of what I wanted to take a look at tonight. And we see some examples in Scripture, and we'll start off with that, with Job. We, we are familiar with the story of Job. Um, you know, very few biblical personalities suffered as much as he did. Um, but we certainly gained some insight on how his perspective of God's sovereignty um, was made clear by what he experienced. So starting at Job 1, verse 13, I'm reading from Amplified. Now, there was a day when Job's sons and daughters were eating and drinking wine in their oldest brother's house. And a messenger came to Job and said, the oxen were plowing and the donkeys were feeding beside them. And the Sabaeans attacked and swooped down on them and took away the animals. They also killed the servants with the edge of the sword, and I alone have escaped to tell you. While he was still speaking... Another messenger also came and said, the fire of God, lightning has fallen from the heavens and has burned up the sheep and the servants and consumed them. And I alone have escaped to tell you. While he was still speaking, another messenger also came and said, the Chaldeans formed three bands and made a raid on the camels and have taken them away and have killed the servants with the edge of the sword and I alone have escaped to tell you. While he was still speaking, another messenger also came and said, your sons and your daughters were eating and drinking wine in their oldest brother's house. And suddenly a great wind came from across the desert and struck the four corners of the house and it fell on the young people and they died. And I alone have escaped to tell you. I want to pause for just a moment and allow us to think about what Job 
what we've just read that Job experienced. Short of his wife, he lost just about everything. And one after another, people came. Um, I know all of us, I kind of say if you're over 15, you've experienced some level of pain. And certainly the older we get, you know, the more we experience in life. I mean, the last few months just here at CCU, you know, we recently had Lois Cox's memorial service, Mike Arbicue, um, I think Tanya's parents. I mean, it's, it's been a steady stream here. Um, Again, and you're dealing with mourning in each, you know, your brother. And again, these things hurt. But how do we respond to it? Looking at Job, he lost his livestock. Um, he lost his children, uh, some of his buildings, and if you're like me, and I know you are, when we receive bad news, it's, it's a shock to the system. But when you get bad news after bad news after bad news after bad news, it just kind of numbs you. So Job is standing here after receiving all of this uh, news, bad news. I love his response. Then Job got up and tore his robe and shaved his head in mourning for the children. So I, I believe, and we'll see this even in the next passage, when we experience pain, I think the first thing we need to do is acknowledge the pain is to say, yeah, that hurts, that hurts. We live in a culture, and especially here in California, it's almost like we want to hide, we want to hide pain. You know, get it out of here, let's, let's just feel better. I think we all can attest to the fact that when we don't deal with pain and suffering appropriately, it doesn't go away. No, it doesn't go away. It just, it prolongs the healing process. So we have to deal with it. But I like the way Job did it. He got up and tore his robe and shaved his head in mourning for the children and he fell to the ground and worshiped. Whenever I read this passage, I say, wow, wow. He just lost almost everything. He acknowledged the pain and he immediately worshiped God. Job had some pretty good theology.
He went on to say, naked without possessions, I came into the world from my mother's womb, and naked I will return there. The Lord gave, and the Lord has taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Through all this, Job did not sin, nor did he blame God. We know the story of Job. This was just the beginning. Um, and certainly, and I think, I think I'm pretty sure this happens for us as well. Going through the grief process, there are times when it's like, I don't get it. And then it's like, this is not fair. And when is it going to stop? And Job did that. Um, but we know through toward the end, uh, the, the latter chapters of Job, you know, God, God kind of calls Job into question. And I believe, well, I know that God does that with us as well, with things that we experience. Okay, our next example, Luke 22, 39 through 44. And he, Jesus, came out and went, as, his, as was his habit, to the Mount of Olives, and the disciples followed him. When he arrived at the place called Gethsemane, he said to them, Pray continually that you may not fall into temptation. And he withdrew from them about a stone's throw and knelt down and prayed, saying, Father, if you are willing, remove this cup of divine wrath from me. Yet not my will, but always your will be done. So Jesus does the same as Job. He acknowledges the pain. Um, and one of the other passages says that Jesus was in agony. I love that. I love that Jesus acknowledged the pain. He was carrying um, and about to bear the full brunt of all the sins of mankind. You know, um, you know when we when we sin and we're convicted of that, how bad that feels. Can I get some head nods? You know, yeah, yeah. I oh, know no, nobody sins out here, right? <laughs> so when we sin and we're convicted, it's like, oh. Multiply that times like one trillion. And that was what was Jesus. It was what Jesus was about to bear. On top of him being forsaken by his father. A break in the relationship. Here's another one. You know when a relationship goes bad? Right. Or you're having conflict with someone? How bad that feels? Multiply that times a trillion. I'm thinking of, you know, as Jesus said, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? 
So Jesus acknowledged the pain. And you all, I was dealing with this around Easter, looking in the face of Judas, knowing what he was going to do. And yet Jesus was kind and tender and called him friend. Um, but we see examples of Job and Jesus dealing with, with trial, with pain, with agony. First, acknowledging the pain. And then calling on God. Um, Father, if you are willing, remove this cup of divine wrath from me. Yet not my will, but always your will be done. Now an angel appeared to him from heaven, strengthening him. And being in agony, deeply distressed and anguished. Almost to the point of death. He prayed more intently, and his sweat became like drops of blood falling down on the ground. All right. So, we're dealing with whatever is the loss of a loved one, um, the betrayal, let's say, of a child, or the betrayal of a friend, or a health challenge or whatever. Um, and obviously these are things that, that all of us, we have faced some, some portion of that. So how do we deal with that? Philippians 4, 8 through 14. Finally, believers, whatever is true, Whatever is honorable and worthy of respect, whatever is right and confirmed by God's word, whatever is pure and wholesome, whatever is lovely and brings peace, whatever is admirable and of good repute. If there is any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, think continually on these things. Center your mind on them and implant them in your heart. The things which you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, practice these things in daily life. And the God who is the source of peace and well-being will be with you. Um, I've heard a number of ministers say, that when we experience pain, God doesn't necessarily gives us, give us answers. He gives us himself. And I know I experienced that personally. I, you know, I've shared it many times. It was the morning after my wife had passed and I opened up the Bible and it went to Psalm 145 and 17. The Lord is righteous in all his ways and kind in all his deeds. Six hours after my wife died, I read that. Um, did it remove the pain that I experienced? No. No, it didn't. But it did settle me. 
because I said, I remember looking at that passage and I, I put my Bible down. And I said, well, God, this is an example of your righteousness and your kindness. I don't get it. I don't understand it. But I'm, I'm going to accept it. And now, almost 10 years later, I have found, I have found it to be true. Um, God presented himself to me through that experience. God, and you all have heard me say this multiple times, God gave me a greater understanding of people who were experiencing grief, who had suffered loss. I didn't have that before. I was judgmental. You know, um, I, I put people on a, a time limit. You've got six months. I, you know, I didn't say it to them, but you got six months to wrap it up, especially you're a believer. You got six months. Come on now. Come on. Come on. It doesn't work that way. Um, God, because God's ways are so high above our own, as we all know, he does things in a completely different way than we do. Um, he is able to mold and shape our hearts. And honestly, um, pain is required. It's required. None of us wants it. Don't want it. But it's required. Um, you know, my mind goes to the story of Joseph. I was talking about this about a year ago, you know, when it occurred to me. From the time that Joseph was thrown in the pit until he, his brother stood before him was 22 years. 22 years. Of God molding and shaping his heart, really through pain, through trial. And you can imagine when the brothers that stood before him that threw him in the pit and laughed at him and ate sandwiches as he was crying out for their help. When they stood before him, I, I can imagine uh, Joseph's like, uh-huh, uh-huh. But he was able to say to them, hey, guys, don't, because, because his, when, when he revealed himself to his brothers, his brothers were like, uh-oh, uh-oh. I could see that they thought of that dream that Joseph had shared with them 22 years prior when they laughed at him. And he said, hey, I'm Joseph, your brother. Like, oh, no. But Joseph had to calm them down 
and said, no, guys, you don't have to worry about me getting there. You meant it for evil, but God has placed me here for good. That's another wow, wow. But it was the pain. It was the trial, the 22 years of growth that Joseph experienced that allowed him to stand before his brothers and forgive them. Okay, so, finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable and worthy of respect, whatever is right and confirmed by God's word, whatever is pure and wholesome, whatever is lovely and brings peace, whatever is admirable and of good repute, if there is any excellence, and if there is anything worthy of praise, think continually on these things. Center your mind on them and implant them in your heart. The things which you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, practice these things daily. And the God who is the source of peace and well-being will be with you. I rejoiced greatly in the Lord that now at last you have renewed your concern for me. Indeed, you were concerned about me before, but you had no opportunity to show it. Not that I speak from any personal need, for I have learned to be content and self-sufficient through Christ, satisfied to the point where I am not disturbed or uneasy regardless of my circumstances. That's a tough one. Learning to be content regardless of the circumstances. Learning to worship God regardless of the circumstances. Recognizing God's sovereignty regardless of the circumstances. It doesn't eliminate the pain, doesn't eliminate the challenge, but to, to say, no, God, God, you are doing something here. God, you are smoothing, sanding down my rough spots through this trial. Because, you know, I, I do this. When things don't go the way I planned for them to go, my first thought is, okay, what did I do wrong? Okay, what did I do wrong? What? Should I have done this or that? Verse 12, I know how to get along and live humbly in difficult times. And I also know how to enjoy abundance and live in prosperity. In any and every circumstance, I have learned the secret of facing life, whether well-fed or going hungry, whether having an abundance or being in need. I can do all things which he has called me to do through him who strengthens and empowers me to fulfill his purpose. I am self-sufficient in Christ's sufficiency. I am ready for anything and equal to anything through him who infuses me with inner strength and confident peace. Nevertheless, it was right for you to share with me in my difficulties. Being self-sufficient in Christ's 
sufficiency. Um, again, we see here another contrast which makes me think of you know what Paul experienced. Um, God's strength is made perfect in our weaknesses. And again, talking about, as we talk about how biblical concepts are completely opposite of, you know, those of the cosmos. When you talk about weakness, especially in our society, it's like, no. Be strong. You know, the, what, the, a, a real man is a strong, silent type, right? But I am learning, again, from my own experiences that it's important for me to cry as a man. It's essential for me to cry, to express emotion. You all have heard me say this. I think I may have said this last time I was standing here. But in our culture, in many cultures around the world, the only acceptable emotion for a man to express is anger. But we are to experience and express a range of emotions. I discovered that I get sad sometimes. That my feelings are hurt sometimes. I'm not mad. I'm sad. There are sometimes when I'm embarrassed. And for me to accurately identify that emotion, hey, no, I, man, that hurt my feelings. You know, right now, I, you know, I'm thinking about Pastor Randy. Having been in his position 10 years ago, um, that was painful. It was painful. It was sad. It was... I was in a fog for a long time. And, and I assume he is there right now, you know, as he would stand here multiple times and say, my bride, my bride, my bride, my honey, my bride. Now she's gone. But I appreciate how, you know, he expressed how God had been molding his heart. I know early on he said God was challenging him to put into practice what he said he believed. That's what trials do for us. You know, we say we love God. We say we trust God. God's like, all right, <laughs> okay. Okay. All right, Romans 12. Starting at verse 9, love is to be sincere and active. The real thing without guile and hypocrisy. 
hate what is evil, detest all ungodliness, do not tolerate wickedness, hold on tightly to what is good. Be devoted to one another with authentic brotherly affection as members of one family. Give preference to one another in honor, never lagging behind in diligence, aglow in the spirit, enthusiastically serving the Lord. Uh, one of the things I enjoy, one of the many things I enjoy about this fellowship is um, the family atmosphere, the family feel that is here. Um, you know, we kind of see a, a quick representation of that during times of greeting. You know, greet your neighbor. And I, I just, whenever I have the opportunity to stand here and, you know, okay, greet your neighbor. And I just like to sit back and watch. Because you see, you see joy when people are looking at each other. Hey, how you doing? Hey! Oh, good to see you. How's so-and-so doing, you know? How are you? Hey, call me. Let's go to lunch. <laughs> that doesn't happen if we don't spend time and invest in each other. You don't develop authentic relationships by just seeing each other Sunday to Sunday. Um, I know that a lot of these relationships have been forged in small group studies. When we share, you know, and we, as guys, we're, we're doing that a lot now where we share challenges that we have. You know, things that, that God is teaching us. And, you know, some guy will share something and it's like, oh, hey, Oh, wow, you're, you're dealing with that, too? Oh, man, that's cool. Hey, let me have your number. Let's talk. Because, again, our society, really our human nature, wants to present a facade of sufficiency. That I've got it all together. I don't need your help. Right. I'm not going to share the challenges that I have because I don't want you to think I'm weak. But the Lord said that his strength is made perfect in weakness. When I share, I'm, and I'm not talking about announcing it over you know, the mic, but with a brother or sister, hey, hey, I'm having challenges in this area. That's when relationships are forged and people grow together. Hey, you know what? I can trust this brother. I can trust this sister. During a time like this, we're pulling together to support Pastor Randy. And, you know, as I scan the room, I know a few stories here. What's that? 
Oh, you want me to share? <laughs> no, no, I'm not going to do that. <laughs> no, no, no. But that's where God uses those challenges really to draw us closer to him and to have us reach out to each other to say, hey, can, can you pray with me? Can I talk to you about something? You know, hey, I need your help in this area. Again, love is to be sincere and active, the real thing without guile and hypocrisy. I like here down in verse 11, never lagging behind in diligence, a glow in the spirit, enthusiastically serving the Lord. If we're not careful, our service to the Lord can become a duty. It can become drudgery. It can become work. Instead of it, it is a joy to serve the Lord, to worship the Lord, to trust the Lord. It's not easy. It's not easy. It, it's challenging. Uh, my wife and I used to, this was one of our many, we had a lot of sayings. But people would ask us, how's marriage? And we would say, it's work. It's good work, but it's work. It's work. Would the married, pe married people say amen to that? It's work. <laughs> it's work. Yeah. <laughs> you want me to bring you up here, Anthony? <laughs> because you have two, really, you have two selfish people who are learning how not to battle for control. Really, that's kind of what it is. You, you have two selfish people who are learning how not to battle for control and to yield and mutually submit to one another. Um, <laughs> um, Mignon was nine years older than me. So there was a time early in our marriage where, and she, <laughs> Mignon, okay, she would tell me to do something. She would say, okay, I want you to go over there, pick that up, and take it over there, and put it down. And basically, I said, you are not my mother. <laughs> uh, and I went and did it, yeah. I went and had it. <laughs> Oh, boy. See, and that's what I miss. That's what I miss. Um, the funny stuff that we used to do and the inside jokes. And, um, and I'm sure Pastor Randy right now is thinking about the 50-plus years of funny stories and trips and pillow talk and 
high fives and fist bumps and hugs and stories and watching their children and grandchildren being born. That's playing. That's playing with him. He shared something a few weeks ago. The loss of a loved one hurts so much is because we've invested in that person and we've invested in one another. So when they're gone, until we're reunited with them, we can't share that stuff anymore. And that hurts. That hurts. All right. Enthusiastically serving the Lord, constantly rejoicing in hope because of our confidence in Christ, steadfast. Listen to this, steadfast and patient in distress, devoted to prayer, continually seeking wisdom, guidance, and strength. I find myself saying more and more, God, I don't, I don't know what to do. God, I know you, you have a plan here, but I don't know, I don't know how to go about doing this. God, I, I worship you. I know that you're, you're in control. God, you, you want to teach me patience to rest and trust. I, I just don't know what to do right now. Verse 13, contributing to the needs of God's people, pursuing the practice of hospitality. Here's another hard one. Bless those who persecute you, who cause you harm or hardship. Bless and do not curse them. Rejoice with those who rejoice sharing others' joy and weep with those who weep, sharing others' grief. What I've learned about mourning and grieving and confronting, well, not confronting, but interacting with people who have suffered loss, less is more. You all understand what I'm saying? Less is more. Um, scripture tells us to weep with those who weep. A person who's suffering doesn't need a theological explanation and they just need me to cry with them and put a hand on their shoulder. Sixteen, live in harmony with one another. Do not be haughty, conceited, self-important, exclusive, but associate with humble people, those with a realistic self-view. Do not overestimate yourself. Never repay anyone evil for evil. Take thought for what is right and gracious and proper in the sight of everyone. If possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace 
with everyone. All right, let's go to Hebrews 4, 14 through 16. So again, we're talking about thinking on things to, to help us work through times of trial. And, you know, as Job did, to, to acknowledge pain and to worship the Lord, to acknowledge God's sovereignty in what we're dealing with. Hebrews 4.14, Inasmuch then as we believers have a great high priest, was already ascended and passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God. Let us hold fast our confession of faith and cling tenaciously to our absolute trust in him as Savior. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize and understand our weaknesses and temptations, but one who has been tempted knowing exactly how it feels to be human in every respect as we are yet without committing any sin. Isn't it comforting when I'm, I'm having a flashback for a moment, that's why I stopped. When you can go to someone and you don't have to explain a situation. Isn't that comforting? You don't have to explain it. They, they know. It's like, that's Jesus. He knows. Um, he knows how it feels to be betrayed. He knows how it feels to be misunderstood. He knows how it feels to be targeted. He knows how it feels to be hated. And I I always think of him on his way to the cross and on the cross. And he's suffering for the very people who are doing that to him. And he's, he's being patient, he's being kind, and he's saying, Father, forgive them, because they don't know what they're doing. And people are hitting him in the face, they're spitting on him, blindfolding him and hitting him. And he's saying, Father, forgive them. And what that does for me is that it calms me down. When, whenever I feel like someone is not, here's the thing for me. The thing that gets me is when I feel like someone isn't listening to me. When I'm trying to explain something and they're not listening to me, that gets me. And then I think of Jesus and I say, okay, I'm good. I'm good. Because the Pharisees and Sadducees were not listening to him. He was showing him who he is. 
and most of them, they're like, nah. In fact, they said, we're going to kill you. So he understands. Verse 16, therefore, let us with privilege approach the throne of grace, that is the throne of God's gracious favor, with confidence and without fear, so that we may receive mercy for our failures and find his amazing grace to help in time of need, an appropriate blessing coming just as the right moment, just at the right moment. Um, going to the Lord, saying, God, I, I don't get it. I don't understand. I, all right, and finally... Isaiah 40. <clears throat> and ultimately being reminded of the sovereignty, the majesty. Uh, I, uh, I have a star app on my phone. And one of the things that blows me away is um, I was looking at a star the other day that is 645 light years away from Earth. And with light traveling at 186,282 miles per second, it will take light 645 years to reach that star. To put it mildly, that star is a long way away. And God created it. And he's holding it there. He, he set it in motion. He knows the name of the star and all the other 10 trillion, quadrillion stars. He knows the names of them. A couple of things happen when I think about that. One, I get a headache. I don't get that. I, I don't get that. I thought one day, I said, well, I'm, I'm going to sit down and figure out how far that is, 186,000 miles per second. So I started doing a little figuring in my head. I got to 186,000 miles times 60 just for one minute. <laughs> and I said, okay, I'm done. <laughs> That's as far as I go. but the same God who created that and put that star out there, and that's not even the furthest star away. He's the one that is overseeing our hearts, who is, who sees us and is carrying us through our trials, who wants us to worship him during our times of pain. Isaiah 40, starting at verse 11. He takes care of his people, tends his flock like a shepherd. He gathers them like lambs in his arms and carries them close to him on his chest, bosom. He gently leads the mothers of the lambs. Who has measured the oceans, waters in the palm, hollow of his hand. Who has used his hand as a span the distance between the extended thumb and little finger to measure the sky, heavens, 
who has used a bowl to measure all the dust of the earth and scales to weigh the mountains and balance to weigh the hills and scales to weigh the mountains. Oh, I read that already. Who has known, comprehended, or directed, or measured the mind or spirit of the Lord? Uh, or been able to give him advice, instruct him as a counselor? I know that all of us have probably been in this position where, you know, things are happening and we're praying and we're saying, basically, God, you need to do this. Um, yes, God gives us the privilege of seeking him in prayer and making our requests. But there are so many things that we have no clue about um, God's ultimate purpose and plan. And um, I think we all can attest to this. If things had gone my way in my life, it wouldn't look it wouldn't look good at all because I had things that I thought needed to happen and God had another plan and his plan is better than mine. 14, who did he ask for help? Take counsel from did God ever ask any of us? Hey, so what do you think I should do about that situation? <laughs> hey, hey, so what do you think I should do? No. Whom did he ask for help, take counsel from? Who taught him the right way, the path, the way of justice, judgment? Who taught him knowledge and showed him the way to understanding? Look, behold, the nations are like one small drop in a bucket. They are no more than regarded as the dust on his measuring scales. To him, the islands are no more than fine dust on his scales. He weighs or lifts the coastlands, islands, like fine dust. To say that God is awesome doesn't even scratch the surface. Um, when we see people in scripture who had an encounter with God, you know, I think of Isaiah and Isaiah 6. Job, uh, I think it's 41, 42, after, Job, after God asked him a series of questions, Job just said, you know what? I have nothing to say. And I think ultimately that's where God wants us to be, where we, we see who he is, And we just say, God, God, I have nothing to say. Um, yes, we experience pain. Yes, things happen that we don't understand. But God, you do all things well. And 
God, I am thankful. God, I worship you. God, my desire is to trust you and to rest in you. To acknowledge your holiness. And Father, we do, again, we worship you. Lord, we are thankful to be in relationship with you. We are thankful that you you gave your son so that we can be reconciled to you. Lord, there are so many things that we experience that we simply do not understand, and we never will until we come into your presence. Father, one of my thoughts is when we get to heaven, one of the things we'll hear is, oh. But Father, we are eternally grateful. Lord, again, we ask for comfort for Pastor Randy and, and the family as they're mourning the loss of Jeanette. We are mourning the loss of Jeanette. And Lord, we know that uh, she is in your presence and we're happy about that, but Lord, we, we will miss her. We will miss her laughter. Oh, that reminds us that we, we have a date to meet you as well. Lord, it is our desire to to live lives that honor you, lives that communicate our trust, our rest. Lord, we just thank you and we praise you in the name.